three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zagul. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to break down the Bears-Giants game coming up this weekend in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Dave Richard, a senior fantasy football writer at CBS Sports. We talk with him about some fantasy football pickup for this upcoming weekend, some Bears football, and so much more. It's a great interview. It comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul. And if you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. The NFL today is a quarterback-driven league, right? We all watch every Sunday to see the superstars of the game. Thanks off and put up good numbers. Joe Burrow had 525 passing yards last week. Fun to watch. Entertaining. The NFL's entertainment. Watching a quarterback unleash a 60-yard pass downfield, that's the epitome of the NFL. It's fun. For the Bears this weekend, Bears-Giants, we won't be seeing any of that. (laughs) We'll be seeing five-yard screen passes. Maybe a 10-yard pass here and there. We'll be seeing, actually, one of the worst quarterback matchups all season in the NFL. Not even kidding. The Giants have come out and said they're going to split quarterback play. They're splitting play. Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm will both be prepared to play Sunday. Expect both guys to play, quote, according to Joe Judge, head coach. For the Bears, no quarterback's been announced as of the taping of this show. We don't know who it's going to be. We know Andy Dalton and Justin Fields have returned from injury. But we also saw Nick Foles win a game last week. Who's it going to be? This is just comical. Really is. I do think the Bears are going to win. I'll tell you why in a second. But this is comical. We're talking about a quarterback-driven game. We're talking about the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants, top two media markets in the country. And the quarterbacks we're going to see are a combination of Mike Flennon, Jake Fromm, potentially Andy Dalton, potentially Nick Foles. You ready for football? Ready to watch this game, too? And I thought last week would be a joke. This one really takes the cake. 
The game's meaningless for both sides, really. Giants are eliminated from postseason contention. Daniel Jones is out for the year, and Joe Judge has been retained. Now, they retained Joe Judge, so for the rest of this year, it's going to be tanking. They're going to use the Bears' draft pick in the first round to draft somebody significant for them this upcoming year, the pick the Bears traded for Justin Fields. That's the Giants' situation. I don't know if there's fight for this team. I don't know how they've really done when it comes to that point. I mean, they've been out of it for so long. They've been out of it since the beginning. Joe Judge was supposed to be fired. They're retaining him. I don't know what morale then is like inside their locker room. I do know this, though. Whenever you say you're rotating quarterbacks, never a good sign. <laughs> when those two quarterbacks in rotation are Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm, good luck. Mike Lennon's been atrocious this year, but he's always been atrocious. I don't even know how he has a job still. How does this guy have a job? There are better quarterbacks who've never made it to the NFL. Mike Lennon is still employed. And Jake Brown's a rookie. Not a good one either. Wasn't highly touted, wasn't a big pick. Late round guy, supposed to be a third string practice squatter, but because of Daniel Jones's injury, he's now on the team and he's made a start. Great. That's who the Giants have to work with at quarterback. They have injuries. They've been decimated all year. And frankly, they just suck. I mean, think about it. you got no quarterback. you got a head coach, unpopularly retained. And you're losing games left and right. Not a good team. Not a good situation. And again, this channel does cover the Bears, so can't say too much. The Bears themselves miraculous big win last week with Nick Foles in the snow on the road. Now they face the Giants. Again, I don't know who's going to start. But I do believe that no matter who it is out of the three, they'll be capable enough to win this game. Guaranteed. If Nick Foles could beat the Seahawks and Justin Fields as himself and even Andy Dalton, any one of those three guys could win this game. This is a very, very winnable game for the Bears. Even with injuries, even with COVID reserve lists, even with uncertainty at the quarterback position, I believe this is a winnable game. What does that do for Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace? I would hope nothing. If you missed it, I did a deep dive into Matt Nagy's job candidacy coming into next year. And there have been reports that Matt Nagy could still be retained if the losses don't pile up. There has been no final decision from Hellas Hall on his status for next year. Now, look, I don't think a win against the Giants, against Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm is going to change anything for his status next year, but we'll have to see what happens. I will say this, though. If the Bears lose this game, that could really accelerate things. I believe Matt Nagy won't be fired till after the season. I really do. But if they lose this game, that could be the nail in his coffin. If they win, then they beat Minnesota, they finish 7-10. and 10. There is a possibility to me, this is just speculation, that he could stay. Somehow, someway. I hope not. Don't want it to happen. Don't think he deserves it. But the Bears have disappointed me and you many times in the past. Wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. So there's really not much writing on this game. The Bears should really have to win 
And that's it. This should not be overly difficult. This should not be a problem game. This shouldn't even be a trap game, if you're betting. The Bears should win. Simple as that. If you're going to face Mike Clunnan and Jake Fromm, if you're going to face a rotating quarterback system, you're probably going to win, I would hope. Especially with quarterbacks of that caliber. It'd be different if you're rotating Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You're rotating those two. Not going to work. Giants are out of options. They're looking at next year. They might fire their GM. There are a lot of things going on over there in New York. A lot of things going on here, too. But the Bears' three quarterbacks, whichever one starts, is better than their two. Better than the Giants' two quarterbacks, no question. No matter who starts for the Bears on Sunday. I don't like the fact that they haven't revealed who it is. I mean, here's a tweet from Dan Bernstein. The Bears not knowing or revealing who their QB is for such an empty and pointless game is the essence of their modern existence. Correct. 100% true. There really is no gamesmanship here. This game means nothing. And look who you're facing and who they're running out there. There should be no reason for gamesmanship or being coy or not telling anybody. Just be upright, my gosh, for once. If there's one thing that just really grinds my gears about this team and about this coaching staff, why wait? Just tell everybody. This game means nothing. Nothing to nobody. Honestly, it only means something to Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy loses? I mean, it's really, really over. Why not just say, hey, Fields is back, he's going to start. Or Fields is hurt, but Dalton's back. Or Nick Foles played well last week, put him in. Just be upright and honest at this point. Is that too hard to ask? Really? Can you just be honest? Everybody's sick of this charade. And they're sick of this team and how it's gone this year. Just tell us who's going to play, please. <laughs> is it that hard? If there's anything you want to look forward to, Robert Quinn needs a half a sack to tie Richard Dent's franchise record. And one sack on Sunday will break it. That would be nice. Had a great season, Robert Quinn. You can watch David Montgomery, who's really battled all year despite poor offensive line play and bad play calling from Matt Nagy. Allen Robinson's supposed to be back, too. Maybe he'll get some targets and make some plays. That's something. Not saying it's too much, but it's something. But I think most importantly, if you want to see a Bears win, here's your time to do it. I don't know what's going to happen last game of the year, the pace of Minnesota. It's going to be a tough one. And even if they do win, it's not going to be pretty. This is probably going to be, I would hope, a dominant win for the Bears. It should be. This should not be a close game. This should not come down to a last-second drive. This should be put away in the third quarter, fourth quarter early at most. You're facing two different quarterbacks. Come on. Just do what you got to do. Not that hard. Not when you're facing two different quarterbacks. It'd be different if you're facing Tom Brady. Yes, you're facing Mike Glennon and or Jake Brown. Come on. Win the game, please. Please win the game. Don't take forever, either, to put up points or to try and run away with it. Don't even give them a chance. They have no chance. Just win. The defense should be on. You should be expecting lots of interceptions. Maybe a pick six here and there. Totally possible. I could see it. That's the quality of quarterback you're facing. 
That's the quality you're going to get. I mean, it's no coincidence why Spiro Ditas and Jay Feely are even calling the game. No one's going to be watching this. I've been town versus 4-11. Two teams in the gutter. Two teams with uncertain starting quarterbacks, as for the game itself, and two teams with head coaches who at least were in the hot seat. I don't know how Joe Judge got retained. Don't ask me. It makes no sense. And why Daniel Jones is coming back, too. Daniel Jones has also been retained. Makes no sense. He's been given enough opportunities. Hasn't worked. Move on. Everybody here in Chicago gave Mitch Trubisky four years. What about Daniel Jones? Same situation. Daniel Jones has been around a while, and he's really not produced any results. Now, you could say he has no team around him, but still, he do something. Three years, a 12-25 and 25 record as a starting quarterback. 45 touchdowns, 29 picks. I mean, this is average play. I get it, I guess. Give him one more year, but... I haven't seen anything yet. His rookie year was a bit encouraging, but it's got progressively worse. Nothing's better. And besides the point, he's not even going to play. Unable, hurt, out for the year. This is probably one of the least entertaining games in the NFL all season. (laughs) And the quarterback is the center of a team and of this game, and you don't know who's going to start on both sides? Probably. Late in the year, both teams don't care. That's a problem. Nevertheless, I'm expecting a Bears win. We could celebrate on Monday, talk about the game. We will here on this channel, on the program. I don't know if it matters. Unless we see some development or maybe Robert Quinn breaks the record, that'd be great. Maybe Justin Fields plays and has a great game. I'd love to see that too. At the end of the day, though, as I've talked about pretty much all season, We know what the fate is at the end of the year. And that's the fact. If the Bears win out these last two games, I could see a scenario in which Nagy and Payne stay, but regardless, somebody's going to be fired the day after the season on January 11th. Somebody. I don't know who. Someone's going to be fired. I mean, look at this team. Look where they've sunk to. We're sitting here. Talking about a 5-10 Bears team facing the Giants at 4-11. We're talking about who knows who's going to start a quarterback and you're facing a team that doesn't know. They're going to do a rotation. This is really just a low, a low point for this Bears team in their season. It's really, really over. You know? And we knew a couple of weeks ago they were already eliminated, but, I mean, it's really over. When, When you don't know out of your three quarterbacks who's even going to start, and you're still playing the gamesmanship card, you're facing the Giants, who have already said, we're going to use a rotation of quarterbacks? I mean, come on. (laughs) That's silly. I think everybody knows what their fate is. I really do. I think Pace, Aggie, I think they know where they stand come next year. I really do. I think it's over. They know it. Fans know it. Even media knows it. So, back to real barn burner on Sunday. I'd expect the Bears win. I would. I really would. It'll be fun to maybe see some action from this team. Justin Fields plays. We could see some good moments for him against a pretty bad defense, pretty bad team all around. And defensively, we could see Robert Quinn break a record. And maybe, 
I do see a defensive touchdown coming the Bears' way this weekend. I could totally see it. So there are reasons to be excited for Sunday, no question. But at the end of the day, remember the situation. We all know, pretty much, the fate of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. We know the direction of this Bears team, the 5-10. and 10. And when we're sitting here talking about a game against a Giants team that's using Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm as a quarterback rotation, in Week 17, well, that's really all you need to know. Do I need to even say anymore? <laughs> when, you, when you describe that situation, is there any more that needs to be said? Sounds like a meme. Sounds like a joke, but that's real-life football here. Got the Bears with who knows who they're going to start against the quarterback rotation. 5-10 versus 4-11. Late in the season. Lame duck head coach. Lame duck GM. That's where the Bears stand this year. That's how disappointing the year has been. I mean, this is really a microcosm of the whole season for the Bears. I'll be watching. I'll give you an update on Monday how it went. Expect to win. I guess be happy and rejoice when they do. But just remember, it really doesn't mean too much. We know what's going to happen at the end of the year, and I think more people will be happy when there's real change than just for some lowly win over a quarterback rotation and a team that's really deep in the gutter. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Dave Richard comes up next, so stay tuned. Chicago. Here with John Zaglula, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a senior fantasy football writer for CBS Sports and a contributor to Fantasy Football Today. Please welcome Dave Richard to the program. Dave, great to have you on. How are you? Always great to spend a little time with one of my fellow Chicagoans. Later on, we're going to go get some Al's beef and wash it down <laughs> with an old style. It is great to see you again, my friend. Hey, what was your reaction to the Chicago Bears win on Sunday? Oh, uh, you know, I should I do it in the super fan voice or do you want it like in yeah. Oh, real you can life? do whatever you want, but whatever you want to do. I mean, you are a native <laughs> Chicagoan. So. The Bears, of course, somehow <laughs> will find a way to get into the playoffs. Matt Nagy, I don't know if he's as good as, I don't know, say Dicka, but he's still there. Uh, all right, I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. <laughs> Uh, look, I, I, I think it's great that they won. I like that Nagy realized that he had nothing to lose by going for two at the end of the game. It was the right move because the defense was beat up and the offense was, you know, rolling on Seattle at that point. It was a good move. And then they played just well enough at the end of the game to hold on to the win, a one-point win. That's the kind of thing that smart teams do. And we just haven't seen enough of that in the Matt Nagy era where they, they've really tried to capitalize on those specific situations. And there, there's, there's this funny storyline going on across the NFL right now, John, where, you know, it, it's like cool to go for, go for it on fourth down and it's cool to go for two. And I, I know that there's analytics behind it and I'm an analytics guy, but I really feel like the situation in the moment is what's going to make the decision for the coaches. The players are always going to want to go for it on fourth down. You know, a, a good quarterback will say it's fourth and eight, man, let's go for it. 
well, you know, Tom, Aaron, you're on your own 20 yard line. Are you sure you really want to do that? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Well, the coach will say no. But the coaches, when 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 the situation feels right and they've got confidence in their team, and especially in the situation that the Bears had when they decided to go for two, that had everything to do with what was the situation in the game, how close was the game to ending, what was the shape of both teams' defenses, what was the shape of both teams' offenses. It made a lot of sense. I don't think you needed a computer nerd sitting in the 500 level in a warm press box at Lumen Field um, sending a message down to one of the coaches on the sideline saying we should go for two. I, I think Matt Nagy knew it. And I wish that he had done more of that aggressive, but thoughtful um, decision-making over the balance of his time in Chicago. And maybe, it, you know, if, if I ever pull him aside and I say that to him, he'd probably say, dude, I tried to do that as much as I could. And maybe he'd say he was, you know, you know, handcuffed by the talent that he had, but it, it's it, that type of thing. That was, that would be something that I would have loved to have seen in his very first year in Chicago. That would have made me excited. I think the bears are going to get a little momentum off that win. They'll probably win again against the giants because the giants as bad as the bears are. Oh my God, the giants, <laughs> they're a mess. Um, so, you know, two in a row here, but I, I don't think it's enough for Nagy, but for now bears fans can enjoy uh, the, the sweet taste of old style and victory. Do you think Nagy's going to be gone at the end of the year? Yeah, I think it, I I think it has to happen. Uh, when they're chanting "Fire Nagy" at, at like Illini basketball games, <laughs> that's when you know that it's just it it's it's a business decision at that point. You have an unpopular coach. You've given him many tries to to do well. The people are telling you. The fan base is telling you. We don't like this guy get him out of here. Now, if he was a likable guy, they wouldn't be chanting fire Nagy that loudly and that often. Um, and unfortunately they wouldn't be doing it at his, you know, son's sporting events either. That's uncalled for, but it's, it's, you know, it's become a thing now in Chicago where people have just had enough and then the bears need to probably let him go probably huddle with Justin Fields and say, okay, what kind of a coach do you want? And then they find the best possible coach for Justin Fields so that they can build around him because they finally have that quarterback piece. At least they think they have that quarterback piece who they can, who can, you know, turn the team into a contender, find that coach. If that coach wants a new GM, bye-bye Ryan Pace. If that coach is cool with Ryan Pace, then I guess Ryan Pace stays. Um, but I, I think Nagy is the first domino to fall. And it, it's just, it's listening to your fan base. If you, if they don't listen to the fan base, what is that telling them? What does that say? That is it, is it that tone deaf? Because they've been kind of tone deaf as ownership goes <laughs> for, for a while now, but I don't think they're that tone deaf. I think they're on they're, they're smart enough to know, okay, we've got an unpopular coach. Uh, we want to try and win. We want to make the fans happy. Let's let's at least let them make them happy and then find a coach that they'll be happy with. I know the fans are happy with Justin Fields. So building around him seems like the smart strategy, not only on the field, but off the field. Has Matt Nagy hindered Justin Fields development and his progress in his rookie year? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we can really say that, to be honest with you, John, because we don't know just the, the, the details. I, I think I, here's what I think. I think the answer to that question is ultimately no. I think just the situation that fields found himself in playing behind an offensive line. That wasn't what the coaching staff thought it would be. And 
taking his time to get on the field, I think that that was wise of Matt Nagy. Nagy knew that Justin Fields wasn't ready. I remember that game against Cleveland. What a nightmare. And I don't even, I don't even know if that was Matt Nagy's call to put Justin Fields in, in for that game. But he did it, and it looked terrible. And I don't want to say that it's Nagy's fault. He might have been rushed onto the field. There might have been pressure to put him into the game. That's my speculation. Um, but I, I, I don't think he did anything to hurt him or to ruin him, to spoil what could be a great career. But I also don't know what he's done to help him. You know, I'm sure he passed along a lot of great you know, tricks and, and study habits and ideas that Nagy got from Andy Reid. And Andy Reid's really, really smart when it comes to football. But he's not, Matt Nagy's not Andy Reid. you got to be clear on that. So little details that'll probably help Justin Fields. But I don't know if he's actually done anything to really launch him in the right direction or set him back either. I think if Justin Fields played behind a really good offensive line and a really healthy offensive line, and I thought there was a chance that that could happen late this season. And if Justin Fields has a complete receiving core, which, I mean, that's evaded the Bears for so long too, uh, I, I think he'd be good. I think he'd be maybe very good. But they got to build in that direction. And I don't think it's Nagy's fault that they're not there yet. Injuries obviously played a huge role. Um, the, the draft and how that unfolded players that Ryan Pace picked that didn't end up, end up working that well. Um, for example, Anthony Miller, man, I thought Anthony Miller was going to be a number one receiver in Chicago <laughs> for a while, but it didn't work out. He kept getting hurt. And I know that there's problems behind the scenes with him and the bears that got something in trade for him. And that's great. But I don't necessarily think that anything that's bad that's happened to fields this year is on Nagy or his coaching staff. It's just circumstantial based on the roster around him. What do you think about Fields' seven touchdowns, 10 picks, 11 fumbles? Do those concern you? Where do you think those stem from? The fumbles definitely concern me. I haven't had a real chance to study where they came from. My guess is that a good dose of them came from a leaky offensive line. So if that gets fixed, I think that number will come down. The interceptions come with the territory when you're an aggressive passer like Justin Fields. I love his aggression. I love the fact that he's not a dinker and a dunker, that he's willing to take chances. I, I really loved that Andy Dalton was earlier this year, John, the dinker and the dunker, and Justin Fields was able to attack downfield, and he was good at it. And I think he's going to continue to be good at it, and in time, those interceptions will come down, and those completions 15-plus yards downfield – they will go up. I think that'll be good. The touchdowns will also go up, although I'm not, I, I hesitate to say that he will be like in that same stratosphere as Rodgers and uh, Brady. And I mean, it's crazy to put that on anybody, but I'm thinking about quarterbacks that can regularly put up 35 passing touchdowns a year. I don't know if he can get there, but I bet there will be one or two years if the Bears build this the right way. And I think they're, I think they're getting there where he'll have a couple of seasons where he's close to 35 total yards, total, total yards. That would be bad. 35 total touchdowns. And I think if he can get there, we'll, he'll, he'll come through on the value that the bears gave up to trade up for him in the draft. And I think he can. What's the right way to build this? Oh man. So the, the first problem, and it's a, it's a problem, but it's a short-term problem is you don't have a first round pick this year. So 
got to tell your scouting staff and, and the coaches who evaluate after the scouts go through it. And obviously the front office, you got to start looking for players that we can draft in round two, round three, round four, and they're going to turn out to play like they're, you know, they should have been picked in round one, round two, round three. I think that's the one thing that pace has been okay at is finding players who aren't those first round picks, but can still contribute to a team. And I, you know, they, they need to find at least, you know, I, I don't even know if they need to find an offensive tackle. I think they've got something in Larry Borm. That's an example of somebody that Ryan pace found and, and was able to turn into a starter. Tevin Jenkins, Looks like he's healthy. They kind of got to rein him in a little bit, but when they do that, I think he'll be good. They've got to make some decisions as far as new contracts along the interior of that offensive line. They need some depth there because the depth they have now, forget it. It's terrible. So they definitely need to find at very minimum a swing tackle, and it wouldn't be bad if it was a young guy. I think they need to find a receiver. This draft coming up, plenty of good receivers in there that will be available in round two and round three guys that can contribute to the bears potentially right away. It would help if they were players that played with Justin Fields at Ohio state. And there are a couple of wide receivers. Chris Olave is one that probably won't be a first round pick. Maybe the bears can get their hands on him. That would help accelerate Olave. Just saying, I'm just throwing it out there, John, that Olave could possibly ascend a little bit faster to the starting lineup and fields already has a comfort level with him, provided that fields a is asked, Hey, what do you think of this guy? And B he actually likes throwing to him and they can work together in the professional game. But whether it's somebody that fields knows or doesn't know, it's gotta be somebody that can make plays after the catch. I think that that's really an important factor among wide receivers. Now Mooney has done some of that. I wish he would do more of that. Allen Robinson hasn't done any of that. And so letting Allen Robinson go in free agency, it's probably a smart decision. Find another wide receiver that can break away from coverage and turn a 10-yard slant into a 25-yard gain or even deeper than 25 yards and be able to do it consistently. I know they've also been chasing, um, trying to find the next Jimmy Graham. They even tried to, they they signed the old Jimmy Graham looking for the next (laughs) Jimmy Graham. I think they got to stop with that. I think Cole Komet is what he is. Let him play at tight end. He'll score a few touchdowns along the way eventually, but you let that guy be a part-time blocker. That helps the offensive line, and you really hone in on the wide receivers. So offensive line depth, another probably two wide receivers that can make plays after the catch. If you want to keep Bird or Jakeem Grant because they can fly down the field and take the top off of the defense, that's fine. I think the Bears are great at running back. I don't think they're good at running back. They're great at running back. I think David Montgomery's earned it. He's exactly the type of running back that the Bears need. And I think uh, Khalil Herbert, I almost called him Khalid. That would have been weird. Khalil Herbert is, is really good too. Another example of a great late round pick that Ryan Pace made who can contribute to the Bears. And it's unfortunate what's happening to Tree Cohen. He's out, Herbert's in. Now you've got a one-two punch at running back if you want to have that one-two punch. And even if you don't, well, you just let Montgomery run. And then when he misses a few games, you got Herbert ready to go. Problem solved. So it sounds like a lot, but really maybe maybe a shrewd signing in free agency and a couple of picks in the draft go in that direction. And then you just sink everything else into defense. Um, I, I think the secondary, the way that they played two games ago when everybody was out, that was impressive. And it makes me wonder, you know, maybe is Sean Desai a good defensive coordinator? Or are these just, again, really good under-the-radar picks that Ryan Pace can find? I'm giving Pace credit for a lot of these guys. I assume that he deserves it. He's the GM of the team. 
I think he's the one that's signing them and, and making them um, quality or giving them the chance to be quality contributors to the bears. So maybe they've got a little depth in the secondary. Maybe they've got a little something going on the D line. They need Khalil Mack to play like the money that they're paying him. And they need to find somebody to eventually overtake Robert Quinn. Quinn had an amazing year. They need more pass rush help. They need more run stoppers as well. If they can fix that area and maybe that's the focus on defense or the run stoppers. And then you do what I suggested with the offensive line, the wide receivers, I think you've got a contender. I think you really do with Justin Fields at quarterback. I've always said the way to make a playoff run in the NFL is you either got to have a quarterback in decent pieces or a really great team and a decent quarterback. And we've seen the bears make the playoffs with a really good team and a decent quarterback plenty of times, but we haven't really seen them do it with a great quarterback and a decent team or better yet, a great quarterback and a good team around him. When that happens, that's when we'll see the bears really start to play beyond what they've been over the last 36 years 36 it's been 36 years or so yeah that's that's what it's been john 36 years that's that's longer than you've been alive my friend (laughs) i know only 21 years old you know i could count how many playoff appearances the bears have had that i've seen on one hand i never see them playing the playoffs ever it's it's ridiculous and the thing that bothers me and i know i sound like a bears fan sometimes and I am a Chicagoan and I love the city. It's my home, but I'm not a bears fan anymore. And I gave them up because they kept breaking my heart and they also interfered with my job. You know, I'm (laughs) paid to write about fantasy football. I don't want to be biased toward any team. So the only time I'm really biased in my job now is when there's a player who I would like, I don't care what team he's on. I want to see them succeed. Sometimes I'll, I'll go a little overboard with those types of players. Jerry, Judy, excuse me. Um, But I'm done being a Bears fan. I'm, I'm not going to be a Bears fan anymore. And now I feel like I can objectively look at them and describe the problems that they have, the solutions that I'd make for them. And I, I want to see them do it. I've got a lot of friends who are Bears fans, but the, the longer and longer that I see them struggle to make the playoffs, which you can count on one hand, or to win playoff games, which, I mean, I don't know how many of those have you witnessed. Um, it makes me just like them less and less. And it, I just, I just, I, I wonder about how that franchise is run and, and how people can continue to just give blind support to them when they can't succeed like the Blackhawks did. I mean, the Blackhawks aren't great right now, but they had a great run. The Bulls had a pretty good run back in the day. I'd say the Cubs, when they won their World Series, they had a good run where they made the playoffs a bunch of years and then broke through. The White Sox had a couple of great years. I think the White Sox run is just starting now. All these other teams in Chicago can do it. They've figured out the formula, and the Bears haven't, and it's been 36 years, and it just makes me wonder. Dave Richard here on Sports Talk Chicago. Very eerie tone there. What do you make of the Bears when it comes to their quarterback situation in fantasy? I can't imagine what it's been like for you this year. For the Bears, Justin Fields was somebody back in July and August that we thought of as a good late-round flyer. But when it became clear that he wasn't going to be the week one starter and that Andy Dalton was going to be the starter, there wasn't a real good reason to draft him in fantasy leagues outside of deeper leagues where you could carry him on your bench. You'd have to have a lot of bench spots to do that. Or obviously in a league where you can start multiple quarterbacks. There's a lot of those out there now, John. They're called either super flex leagues or two quarterback leagues. And you can use multiple quarterbacks every single week. 
And in those leagues, everybody was taking Justin Fields and everybody was excited when he did eventually get the chance to start and they rushed him in the lineup and it's that Cleveland game. And they went, Oh my God, what have we done? He was terrible, but he turned it around. And if the bears do improve that offense, there's absolutely going to be optimism in Justin Fields as a draftable fantasy asset in those one quarterback leagues in the leagues where you only need one guy, they will see the upside. Any quarterback that can run the ball in fantasy, John, they, they rack up more points than the quarterbacks who can't. And so I, I think people would be very intrigued and uh, they, it would be appealing to draft Justin Fields because they know he might get you 50 yards on the ground, might score a touchdown on the ground, might throw for 225 yards, might throw one or two touchdowns from game to game. Well, now you're talking about a really serious fantasy football quarterback. You could win your fantasy league with a guy like that. Who's been that this year that you've tracked from the quarterbacks? Jalen Hurts is is somebody that comes to mind. I mean, there's obvious names like Lamar Jackson. He had his moments this year, but he really wasn't as good as he was in in prior seasons. And um, there might be some reasons for that unrelated to what he's done on the field. I would say Jalen Hurts is the first name that comes to my mind. He's done a lot of running for Philadelphia and he's grown into this Eagles offense. And he's at the point now where you, you just, you, you can use ink 50 yards on the ground every single week, pretty much a shot to score a rushing touchdown every single week. If you do the math, you get six points for the touchdown. You get five points for 50 yards rushing a good week for a fantasy quarterback is 22 points. Well, he's already got half of that six and five is 11. That's my rich central high school math coming through for me. <laughs> he's halfway there. So if he scores another touchdown through the air, that's 17, he only needs, you know, buck 50, buck 75 passing just to be a satisfactory fantasy quarterback. But he can usually get you more than that. And that's a team that tried to build around him this offseason. They added a receiver in the draft. That receiver has been okay, not consistent. It's Devontae Smith. They do have a great tight end in Dallas Goddard. He's helped them. They've got a suspect running game, but they've got a good offensive line, and they've got a coaching staff that has built properly around their young quarterback. That's the model that the Bears should follow, and that's the type of upside that Justin Fields has in fantasy based on what Jalen Hurts has done this year. Let me ask you this. Who's your fantasy MVP for this year? The fantasy MVP for this year, I think it's got to be Cooper Cup. What, what happened this year was a total – it was surprising to us. I'm sure if we were to ask Matthew Stafford, he would say, oh, it's no surprise to me. But we knew that Matthew Stafford going to L.A. was going to be big for him. We knew that his numbers would be good pretty much every single week. It was the type of offense that they really wanted to be more explosive throwing the football. And I, I know I made a mistake. I, I thought that Robert Woods was going to be the best receiver there. And the season starts, and oh my goodness, every single throw that Matthew Stafford's making is going to Cooper Cup. And here's Cooper Cup, who was drafted in round four, round five in fantasy drafts. And he's just not getting good numbers, John. He was getting crazy numbers. He's still getting crazy numbers. And the Rams play the Ravens in week 17. He's going to go bananas (laughs) in that game. And so a receiver who you could find around pick 50 in your fantasy draft, who's getting 10 targets a game, probably catching about seven of those 10 targets. And he's turning them into 100, 120 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, He's going to put up numbers very close to what Calvin Johnson put up with Stafford in Calvin Johnson's best years in Detroit. And that's incredible. 
you never would have saw saw that coming from Cooper Cup. And it, it's going to happen. That's how good he's been for the Rams. And that's how great he's been for fantasy managers. How about your top sleeper for this year? Who would that be? So this answer has basically been Cordero Patterson with, with the Falcons. But he's really limping to the finish line. So I don't know if he's exactly the best answer. I'll say, he helped you get to the fantasy playoffs. And he was so good on a team that was so bad. And people picked him up off the waiver wire. It's either him or it's Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was a sixth-round pick. You want to talk about great draft picks, Sean? Hold on. This was a sixth-round pick of the 49ers, and not even the first running back they drafted last year. He barely played in the preseason. He was good in college, and I knew that he was a good fit for the system that Kyle Shanahan runs, but I didn't think he would make a big impact. And sure enough, week one, there's some running back concerns in San Francisco. Uh, Raheem Mostert gets hurt in the first game. And Elijah Mitchell just takes off. And we weren't sure if it was going to last. It's definitely lasted. He's been great. He's been beat up a little bit. Uh, he's probably not used to playing as much as he's played this year. But I, I think I think it's either him or Patterson. Both of those running backs, you picked up off the waiver wire. You probably didn't draft them. And they helped you make the playoffs in your fantasy leagues. I think that that's huge. And anytime you can find players that can do that for you, um, it, you're, you're way ahead of your league. And it's always my goal, John, to find those types of players. I put it on myself to look for those players. And one of the projects that I'll have this offseason is trying to figure out what I missed. What did I miss on Elijah Mitchell? Why didn't I have the radar uh, the blip on the radar be a little brighter for him. And what did I miss with Cordero Patterson? Why wasn't the radar brighter for him? That's a project that I'm going to work on. The lessons that I learned for that, I'm going to apply to next year. And we can find those running backs, guys like Mitchell Patterson, James Robinson from two years ago, that are just totally under the radar. You take them with a late pick and you end up making the playoffs in your league because of those guys. What to come with Dan Brincher in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Dan Brancher still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, a few more questions before we finish up. First up, how did your fantasy teams do this year? Oh, uh, this is a sore subject, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I played in 16 leagues, and I made the playoffs in 11 of them. I was very happy with that. I didn't have very many first-round buys, though. I think I only had one first-round buy. And so the rest of my 10 teams were playing in the first round. And you might remember it was just it was a disaster of a week in fantasy football. There were not a lot of really great players playing in week 15 or they were playing, but they didn't do well. And then there were other players who were missing because of injuries or COVID. It was a mess. And so I did not do well. The first week of the playoffs, I went from 11 teams to four teams. This is this has to be this is therapeutic for me to get this out in the open. I went from 11 to four, lost seven playoff teams. And then the very next week, I lost only one. So I've got three teams fighting for a trophy this week. Uh, I think I've got a good chance with two of them. There's another one that I really, really want to win against fellow Chicagoan Jim Coventry. Um, but I don't, I don't, he's, his team's really, really good. So I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to take that one. I'm going to have to get really lucky or play the waiver wire really, really well this week 
to pull off a victory. So to answer your question, uh, it's going to be a sucky year. 16 teams, three playoff teams, hopefully three trophies. I think that would be okay. If I sweep the board in week 17, uh, I guess I'll be okay with that. I don't really have a choice. Well, you said on Twitter, too, there are three teams you didn't want to talk about. What happened to those teams? <laughs> those did not make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, two of them were close to making the playoffs. I, I think one was uh, eight and six, and I lost out on a tiebreaker. Uh, there was another one that was uh, seven, seven, and one, I think, and I missed out because of a tiebreaker. And then there was another one that was like four and what would it have had to have been? Four and ten. Or four, nine, and one, I think it was. I, I tied in a bunch of leagues. That was <laughs> random. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm happy that I didn't have a lot of teams that had a record like that, uh, that were four, nine, and one, and just totally crapple. Uh, and, you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. But those were the ones that I just don't want to talk about. Dave, before we finish up to that last question, the most hard-fought championship you've won in fantasy is what? <sighs> Uh, dude, I've been playing fantasy since 1997. There, there, there's, there's two teams that I can think of that were hard fought. One is just a funny story where I had this feeling, this was when Tebow was playing and starting with Denver and he was doing okay. And it was the championship. And I, I predicted that people would win their fantasy leagues with Tim Tebow. And he went out, and, and back then it, the championship was in week 16 because the last week of the season was week 17. I don't remember the year, but Tebow had an awesome week 16. And I won my fantasy championship that year by a few points, and it was because I started Tim Tebow over whoever I was originally going to start. I don't remember who it was. It's ancient history. So winning a title with Tim Tebow uh, was very fun. But the, the hardest-fought championship I ever won was the first one because I used to really suck at fantasy. To the point where if I played in 16 leagues, I probably would have lost all 16. And that was in the year 2000. I played fantasy football. And this is before I started writing about it. 97, 98, 99, could never make the playoffs. Was terrible at making picks. The whole nine. 2000, I start to do a little bit better, but I can't win. And I just kind of looked myself in the mirror and I said, I can be better at this. What could I possibly do to be better at playing fantasy football? And I decided that what I would do was pay attention all off season. So I, I opened up an Excel spreadsheet. I made notes of every single major transaction in the NFL, anything that I thought would help me in fantasy football. And it wasn't just the skill position players, John, it was offensive linemen, defensive players. Where were they going? Coaches changing teams. What did that mean? And I was just way more organized when it came to my draft where I knew who every player was. I knew what the strengths were of most of those players and I had a pretty good feeling about which players would be as good as they were the prior year. And this isn't a league with a bunch of experts or anything like that. This is a league with just buddies of mine. We're drafting at a bowling alley. And uh, I put a team together and it was really good and it won. And it was my first fantasy football championship. And uh, I said to myself, okay, well, this is what I need to do. If I want to keep winning fantasy football, I just have to pay attention year round. I have to take fantasy football and not make it something that I only care about August to January, but I got to care about it every single month of the year. And uh, the very next year I won two championships. And the year after that, I won two more championships, including back to back in a different league. So preparation is key. And it, it, it's like that in every single job that you go into, 
where you have to learn how to do your job and how to do it correctly and certainly professionally. Fantasy football at that time wasn't my job, but I was working diligently at it to where I figured I knew what I was doing. And people at my office recognized that. And that's what actually got my foot in the door, seeing that preparation, people in the office, seeing my spreadsheets and asking me questions about, hey, you seem to know what you're doing with this fantasy football thing. Who do you think I should start here? And that just evolved into me becoming a writer for NFL.com and then changing over to CBS Sports. And it, it turned out to be a whole career thing for me. Winning that first championship and figuring out how to win it changed my life. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Great story. I really appreciate the time. Best wishes for your regular team still in it for now. I hope they can actually win the championships in those leagues, and um, I'm sure we'll catch up again very soon. Thank you so much. You got it, John. You'll hear about those leagues on Twitter, at Dave Richard. If people need help with their fantasy teams, hit me up. I like to answer questions, especially, especially from my fellow Chicagoans. (laughs) North side, south side, doesn't matter. Uh, just ask me your questions on Twitter and I'll get back to you. Although, although if you send me a Giordano stuffed sausage pizza, <laughs> I probably will follow you and you can DM me your questions anytime you want. That's the way to my heart is with the beautiful stuffed pizza. Thank you very much. I talked there with Dave Richard, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Dave Richard himself, Matt Tubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalbot, Tomorrow Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes you by tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. And so long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?